The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. So I want to share with you an unbelievable story. It's a true story. There was a rabbi whose name was Rabbi Yonatan, Yonatan Ivershitz. Very powerful, very wise, very sharp. From the time he was a young boy, he was known as a genius. They used to come to him, all the people would ask him all different things, and he would show, at, even at the age of five, six years old, there are stories with him about how bright he was as a five-year-old boy. Okay? Super smart. Very holy, great uh, Torah scholar. Anyway, he had a study partner who was very hot-headed, also brilliant like him, and the two of them would study Torah day and night. One day, the church decided in their town that they're going to build a church. Where they're going to build it? Right opposite the shul. This was quite a common practice in medieval Christianity that they felt a big part of the Christian doctrine was the suppression of everything besides for the church. And not just of other religions, but of any power. The church tried to step on kings. They would put their church opposite the palace. You know, to illustrate that the church's power was stronger even than the power of the king. And in many places that actually came to fruition where the church or the monsignor or the, uh, or the head inquisitor had as much or more power than the king or the Caesar or the sultan. Well, not sultan, that was usually uh, Muslim, but themselves. They put this church opposite. And then, to add insult to injury, after they finally finish building the building and they make a whole big deal, right opposite the shul, they go and they put up a giant cross with Yeshu on top of the building, you know, overlooking Ya'ani, the shul. This Chavruta, this study partner of Yonatan, couldn't deal. He was a hot-headed guy. In the middle of the night, he climbed up the wall of the church, got some ropes, climbed up the wall of the church, and in the middle of the night, started pulling, 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 until finally he managed to yank down the statue of Yeshu and the cross off of the top of the church. Unfortunately, it made a little bit too much noise, and as he was trying to get away, what happened? The guards of the church, they found him, and they locked him up in the spire in the top of the church, um, uh, you know, way off of the ground. Nobody knew. He hadn't told anyone what he was planning on doing, so no one knew where he was. They didn't know that he was imprisoned, but they knew that he was missing. So the Jewish community mobilized to try and find Amber Alert Yani, the lost Chavruta of Rabbi Yonatan. They searched everywhere. They couldn't find them. All the places he would normally go, nothing. One night, in the middle of the night, there's a knock at the door of Rabbi Yonatan. Opens the door. Who's standing there? One of the guards of the church. He says to him, listen, you know, I know every day I see the two of you coming to shul together. I know that you're connected with this individual that you're all looking for. We have him. He's up in the top of our church. He climbed the church to try and smash the statue of Yeshu and the, and the, and the cross. They caught him before he escaped, and he's already been decreed that they're going to kill him, they're going to burn him at the stake for disrespecting the God of the Christians. 
Yonatan's shocked. He says, but listen, he says, if you want, I can get him out. But it's going to cost 3,000 gold coins, which was an abnormally uh, large amount of money. They, as, as a whole, the Jewish community back in, in these times, in these places, much of business, the business world is forbidden for them to enter. They weren't allowed to own land. You know, all the stuff that you read about, you know, about the Jewish people being moneylenders in Shylock, you know, in, uh, in the Merchant of Venice. The reason why we became moneylenders is because you weren't allowed to own land in an agricultural society. They weren't allowed to study for professions. So what were they supposed to do? They did whatever they could to put food on the table for their children. In many cases, actually, the Christians were the ones that made the Jews moneylenders. Because the same way we don't lend money to other Jews with interest, ribit, Christians also don't lend money to other Christians with ribit, with interest. So how did the Christians borrow money? They appointed, like a Shabbat goy, they appointed a ribit Jew. So he would be the one that would lend uh, with interest, and that's how they would uh, raise money, raise capital to be able to do things. Then, of course, that became an anti-Semitic trope. But the, inter- the, the interesting thing here is, so this guy comes to the rabbi and he says, listen, I can get him out, 3,000 gulden, you got it. If you understand Ibishitz, where does he have the money from? He doesn't have the money. He goes and he tells the rabbi, this guy came to me, 3,000 gulden, he wants a fortune of money, gold coins. He says, but we have to get the guy out. Otherwise, in two days' time, they're going to kill him. The, 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 you know, number one, pikuach nefesh. Number two, uh, the redeeming of, of slaves, of, uh, of captives, one of the biggest mitzvot of tzedakah. He goes to him, he says, how much money do we have in the, in the community reserves? And I tell him, what reserves? We have nothing. You know, every Shabbat, we have a few pennies, we give it out, we have nothing. We're going to go and we're going to try and raise the money. Rav Yonatan Ibish says that it's only a couple of days. They said, look, what can we do? We'll do our best. Rav Yonatan he goes into the back room of his little house and he pulls out a bag. And in his bag he has 3,000 gold coins. Where does he have the 3,000 gold coins? He was a newly married man. And one of the things they used to do was they would provide a dowry for someone. If your daughter married a big Torah scholar, they would provide a dowry that was meant to sustain the couple for decades. Marry off children, buy a house. So all the money he had in the world was in this dowry, was in this bag. He goes directly to the guard of the church. He gives him the money. And in the middle of the night, the guard helps this man escape. He leaves town, runs for the hills. He's safe. Yonatan is at home. He's waiting. He's in the synagogue. And he's kind of waiting for the, for the other shoe to drop. Because he knows that the minute he gets home, and he tells his wife that he spent their life savings on this guy who got a little hot-headed and tried to yank down the, you know, the cross from the top of the church. She's going to kill him. So he decides to do what any courageous, brave man would do. He decides he's going to run away from home for a few days. <laughs> Let her find it, let her go crazy for a little bit. He'll come back and when she calms down, he'll explain to her, literally, it was a matter of life or death, we'll figure something out. 
But he knew he wouldn't be able to talk to her when she was very upset with him. So he decides he's going to leave for a day or two, and then he'll come back home. Before he leaves the Beit Midrash, who walks into the synagogue before the rabbi could leave? The people who collected the money from Sedaqah. They came to him and they said, Rabbi, you know, we went around, we asked everybody, we're really sorry, we haven't managed to raise even near the full amount. But here we have a couple, you know, 20, 30, 50, whatever, you know, gold coins, a pittance, it wasn't even close. Yonatan says, listen, people, obviously it's hard for them to give, they don't have enough money for themselves. He says, give the money back, I managed to take care of it. They said, what do you mean you managed to take care of it? He says, it's taken care of. I, we, I figured out how to get the money, I got them the money, the guy left. The guy's safe. They tell him, Rabbi, if you gave your money away, here, at least take this money for you. Take it to pay back. Give everybody in the community, we also want a chance, a part of the mitzvah. Yonatan says, listen, you know, I came to you thinking you might have all of it, but you didn't. I did what I did. I got the mitzvah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'd rather not. You know, let this mitzvah. You'll get the next one. Right? You'll pick up the next one. They say, please, please. The rabbi says, listen, this is the way it is. This is the way it's going to be. Don't waste your time. I made up my mind. They're upset. They walk out. Rav Yonatan puts his plan into action. And he leaves town for a couple of days. Two days go by. He comes back home. As he's coming back towards his wife, he sees his wife running down the street towards him. Big smile on her face. And he's thinking, Uli, I guess she didn't find out yet. She hasn't found the bag, the empty bag in the back of the closet. He says, hey, how you doing? She says, hey, how are you? Good to see you. I didn't know where you'd been. A little worried. She says, you don't understand. The most amazing thing happened. What happened? She said, last night when you were away, in the middle of the night, there's a knock at the door. I go get the door. I thought it was you. Who's standing at the door? A man who tells me he's a guard from the church. I said, what do you have to do with me? What do you want? So he told me that he was just, they just caught him doing something uh, that, they, uh, that they, uh, they're going to uh, punish him for in the church, which she didn't know was the fact that he'd helped this guy escape. And he said, and I'm not planning on waiting around to find out which type of death they want to give me. So he said, so I ran out of, the ch- I ran out of church. He says, I have this money. He gives her the 3,000 gulden. And he says, and I figured if I'm running for my life, I'll take some other things as well. And he managed to put away his life savings. He took, he gave her as well. And, he sa- and some other jewelry and diamonds, whatever. He says, take all of this. He says, the only person that I think is honest enough to give it back to me if I come back is your husband because of the interaction we just had uh, last week. Again, she doesn't know what he's talking about. So he said, if anything should happen to me, then you keep it, it's yours. He says, okay. She says, and we just heard this morning that they actually, the church found this guy and they drowned him in the river. And look at the gift that Hashem gave us. All this money we'll never have, we'll never want for anything our whole lives. Look at how special it is. Look at how God, Ariyonatan, starts to cry and cry and cry. And his wife says, what's the matter? You okay? I don't think you understood the story. Let me start again. He says, no, I understand the story. Let me tell you what happened. He fills her in that he'd given her this money, he'd given this money to the guard. And she says, so what's the problem? Hashem rewarded you. He says, 
sweetheart, Hashem didn't reward me. He took my mitzvah and he threw it back in my face. He told me, I don't want your mitzvah. She said, why would God do that? He said, because when the people of the community came to ask for a piece of the mitzvah, I wouldn't share it with them. If I was stingy with my mitzvah, God didn't want it. Someone who wants to give, and no one else should get a chance to give. His eye is begrudging of others. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.